How's everybody doing? Matt, how are you doing? Huh? Did you get enough dinner? Awesome. Who wants the Lord to impact you with his word? Who wants to waste your time here tonight? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go for number one. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to impact us with his word. Okay. If he doesn't make the word alive, how many know this? If he doesn't make the word alive, it doesn't matter who's speaking, what's being said. It doesn't do us any good. He has to make it alive. We're dependent upon the Holy Spirit for his word to impact our lives. Uh, will you reach out to me? Not to me. With me. To the Lord. And let's ask him. Holy Spirit, we ask you again. We recognize our desperate need for you. These are words that you have given us that you have breathed out of your very heart and essence. They're God-breathed words. Lord, we just want to bow and acknowledge that these are God-breathed words in this book that we hold. We're so amazed and so thankful for your goodness. We pray tonight that you would take hold with us, take hold with our heart, take hold with our minds. Let us connect with what you're saying. Pray that you would speak words of life into every heart, into every mind, that there would be a deposit that would be made that would actually remain and produce fruit in us from what we read and study this evening. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. We ask you to teach, for you are the teacher. We ask you to reveal Jesus, for you are the revealer of Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. <clears throat> We're going to pick up where we left off um, last week. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. We want to get into this. This is, uh, I've been super encouraged this week over this passage. James 3, if you have your Bible or your phone, <clears throat> James 3, we're going to start reading in verse 13. The Holy Spirit says, who among you is wise and understanding? Notice the word wise and the word wisdom in this um, passage here that we're reading, because that's a, a key idea that we're going to go through um, this evening. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. I, I think a better translation there is what the NIV and many other translations say. The, the word is humility. Let him show by his good behavior and deeds in the humility of wisdom. It's an important concept. This is the same Greek word that's used in chapter 1 where he talks about receiving the engrafted word with humility, okay? It's the same word, and I think humility would be a better translation here than gentleness. Um, if you have, verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace. 
by those who make peace. And so we're going to go through those verses and explain what those mean. But James is going after here four different times. He talks about, is anyone wise? And he talks about wisdom. And he talks about wisdom that's from above and wisdom that is not from above. And so I want to go after this uh, subject of wisdom because it's so central to the Bible, Old and New Testament, the wisdom from God, the wisdom of God, and how important it is that we partake of that and receive that. So I want to I talk about that. I want to wash us over. I want to read some, some verses of Scripture that talk about the importance and the passion and the necessity of, of the wisdom of God and God's own eagerness to pour out His wisdom upon us because He is eager to do so. We read in James chapter 1 and verse 5, right? If any of you lacks what? Let him do what? No, cry and beg and fast. No, let him ask. And God, who is generous-hearted, he's not going to chide you. He's not going to scold you. He's going to say, sure, I'll give you wisdom. This has struck me again as I was meditating on this passage, how amazing this promise is. And I feel like for my own life, like I've been renewed in the Lord drawing me and going, why don't you ask me more for wisdom? Why don't you ask me more? Ask me. I'll give it to you. It's like, you've seen those movies where somebody goes back in time, you know, that, that whole concept. And wouldn't it be cool, like, to know what was going to happen before it happened? And we get in situations in our life, and I'll think about my own life, this uncertainty of future, and, like, I wish I knew how all this was going to play out. And the Lord says, I know. I wish I knew what they were thinking. I know. I wish I knew how all this was going to happen in our nation, in our church. I know. Now, I'm not saying that he gives us or tells us everybody else's story, but he gives us insight. There were times in the Gospels where the Father told Jesus what their thoughts were <laughs> because he needed to know for reason. And I, I, I just have this sense in my heart, like, there's, here's the God who knows everything before it happens. He knows the minutest details about us, about every person that we deal with, about every affair that's going to happen. He knows how every single detail is going to play out. And he says, if you lack wisdom and you don't know, ask me. Ask me. Ask me. Ask me. How, how, how many of us, when we need, we're facing decisions, we're like fretting and whatever, and, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue, we're going to get into that, but the Father's heart says, I know everything. I know how it's all going to play out. I know what your future is. I know all the hairs on your head. I know all your days are in my book. All of your tears are in my bottle. I know everything. If you need wisdom, ask me. And I'll give it to you. Ask me. I won't scold you. I won't scorn you. But God is generous hearted and he'll give it. How, how many believe that's true? How many are struggling with anything right now and looking to the future and wondering what's gonna, what the future holds? Do you know the father already knows? He already knows every <coughs> single part. He knows your boss. He knows everything about your boss. He knows what's going to happen. And he says, ask me. And I'll give you wisdom. So there's, there's two kinds of wisdom James talks about, right? Um, verse 
15, he said, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above. And then verse 17, but the wisdom from above. So what are the two kinds of wisdom? This is not, not, hard, not a hard question. There's wisdom that comes from above, right? It comes down from above. You know what that idea is behind that? It's imported. It's not here naturally. Like the wisdom that is in this world is a completely different kind of wisdom than the wisdom that comes down from above because the wisdom that comes down from above comes from God who knows, understands everything. His wisdom is unsearchable. He knows everything that should be done, everything that we need to do. So the wisdom that's from above, what is the option to the wisdom that's from above? Well, James says here in verse uh, 15, if it doesn't come down from above, it's earthly, it is natural, the, the Greek word there is solical, it's soulish, and it's what? It's demonic. So we've all grown up with this kind of wisdom where there's wisdom in our family, you know, you, you, and, and just sayings in our culture and our society that are just natural man's wisdom. And basically, they all center around getting through life and being happy and, and getting along okay. You, you draw more flies by honey than you do by vinegar, my grandmother said all the time. Because me and my brothers are always... He who ends life with the most toys wins. Earthly, soulical. God says, not really. Because he who dies with the most toys still dies. And has to face the judgment now. And give account for everything that they were had given to them. To the one who gave it to them for his own purposes. Oh, there's, there's, there's a perspective. So I want to ask you if you've pondered what would be a good way to define wisdom because I feel like in studying the passages, lots and lots of them, which I'm not going to go through all of them, but just taking in the whole panorama. This is one good thing. If you're studying a subject in Scripture, like the concordance is your best friend because people will say one thing about it and another thing about it, but what God says about it is what's important. And so if you take a concordance, like this is, this is really would be helpful if you're looking at wisdom, look up every verse in the Bible that talks about wisdom, and you'll get a flavor for what the Bible means by wisdom rather than taking somebody's definition of it. It's really helpful to do that. So if you had a definition of wisdom, what would yours be? Anybody want to throw anything out? What would be a good definition of wisdom that you think from a biblical standpoint? Fear, okay, that's the beginning. We'll, we'll get to that. Lon, real loud. Okay. Yeah, he said the application of knowledge according to God. Um, I would say that that's, yeah, th there's definitely, that, that's pretty good. Here, here's my take on it, okay? So you, you weigh this and see if you think that this is a, a fair assessment. Here's, here's my um, definition of wisdom. I like to keep it simple. God's perspective. Seeing what he sees understanding his heart and purposes for people and situations. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Listen, listen and see if you agree that this is what God's wisdom is. It's God's perspective. Seeing what he sees, 
understanding his heart and purposes for his people and situations. How valuable is that? And, and here's, at the beginning here, before we get into reading a lot of scripture, can, can somebody tell me what, from a Christian standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, what is the most important reason that we need God's wisdom so that we know what horse to pick in the race? Man, if I knew somebody that came, went back in time and knew who was going to win all the Super Bowls, I'd never have to work again. You know God knows? He knows who's going to win every horse race and every Super Bowl. But I don't think he shares that with people to make them rich because he doesn't want to destroy them. How many know the history of the lottery? <laughs> I have guys that work with me, they buy lottery tickets every day. I tell them, if you want to throw your money away, just put it right here. Right there. <laughs> you know the history of the lottery is that people that win the lotto, um, the vast majority of them are broke within just several years. Same thing is true of a lot of, unfortunately, professional athletes, people that come into lots of, lots of money. It, it destroys them, and the Lord's not about destroying us. His perspective. What, what is, if you had to say, what would be the most important reason, if you're going to God and asking him for wisdom in a situation, and he asks you, why should I give it to you? Yeah, I know what's going to happen. I know what you should do, but why should I tell you? What would be your answer? Colossians chapter 1. This is Paul's prayer for the saints, not only here, but other places. This is so powerful to me. This is Colossians 1, verse 9 through 11, the prayer that the Holy Spirit inspired to pray for the saints. For this reason... Since the day we heard of it, your love in the Spirit, your conversion, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled, notice what he prays, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, follow, follow me here. Follow me because I'm going somewhere with this. Paul's praying that they would be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Verse 10. So that... That's the reason, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is why we need wisdom. We need wisdom from above. How many know that we don't know how to conduct our life without God showing us? We don't know how to conduct our life in a way that is going to glorify him, produce the maximum amount of fruit we, we don't know. This is the deal with wisdom. Like, we have to recognize from the beginning, we're needy. God, we're needy. We don't have it 99% of it figured out and all in this one sticky problem. We need your wisdom. This one troublesome relationship, God, I really need your wisdom. Now, we need his wisdom like we need our breath. We need his wisdom like we need our breath. I can tell you the truth. You know, just my example in business, like, just about everything that I've done in life, I felt like really incompetent. And um, business especially, like my, my prayer uh, 10,000 times in the morning on my couch in my study is, God, I don't know what I'm doing. 
Can you please help me? Can you come and give me wisdom? I pray for wisdom and favor and strength and insight every day of my life because I know I'll screw it up. Lord, here's what we both know. I'll mess it up if you don't come and intervene. I need your wisdom. I need you to give wisdom from above. It's imported from a foreign country. It's not in this head. Import that wisdom inside of me and show me how to conduct myself in a way. Here's the deal. Not so that I can get rich in business. Not so that I can be famous. Not so that I can be loved and adored. But so I can glorify Jesus Christ. Because that's the only currency that holds any weight in heaven. You notice that? There's a culture in heaven. And Jesus is in the very center of it, and everybody else is focused on him, worshiping him, and the living creatures that were created are giving glory and honor and praise to the Lamb and to the one on the throne. And then the other angels are saying what? Amen! (laughs) Amen! That's right! That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. Amen. Amen. We're all about giving. So our life is created for that, right? Everything in Revelation 5, everything was created for his pleasure. Would you agree with me? So the reason we need wisdom, and this, if you're born again and you know Jesus, this resonates inside of your heart. We need wisdom. We need to be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding so that we'll know how to conduct ourselves in a way that honors and glorifies him, that pleases him in every respect, that shows that he is the treasure of our life, that shows that he is actually the center of all of our pursuits, that shows that actually he is the one that carries weight when everything else is lighter than dust. We need wisdom to do that. We need wisdom to know how to raise our children in that same way. I can tell you from experience, having raised seven children, like you can look at the first two after we had our first two children, like we were ready to start making notes and start writing a book, and after we had our third one, we burned everything. Like we don't know one thing about it. What do you know about raising children after you've had two and now your third one? Nothing. Nothing. Fourth one, less than nothing. Because they're different. And what happened with the first one and the second one, and they were look like they were just good, obedient little children once we got Shana past her deal. Um, she was a little toughy. She was really strong-willed, and she would throw herself around and bite me and just really rough. So it was, it, was, it was a situation. Our friends did not like her. They were like, we don't like to be around your daughter. She's a terror. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So then we have our next son. He has um, very unstable. If somebody can't, if he was in the grocery store, this happened multiple times. We're in the grocery store. Diane's got a cart full of food. He's in the carriage and the two older ones there. If somebody said hi to him, he would scream and scream at the top of his lungs, and she couldn't stop him in the middle of public. And she's more than once, twice, she had to walk away from a full cart of groceries. Going, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry. Please put these back and walk out to the car. You know what? And just go home. She said, "Honey, I can I can never go to the grocery store with him again." If somebody came to our house and knocked on the door, and she was holding him, and they opened up and they said, "Oh hi," he'd like, Rah! I mean, he lost it for a, for a long time. His perception of reality was skewed, where what everybody else saw and knew happened, he would think something totally different happened that was conspiratorial against him. 
when I would go to discipline mama's bed, he'd be like a caged animal. And we were at a loss to know what to do. Like, what in the world is going on? We thought he was strong-willed, like Shana was. And we know how to handle that. It's called the switch. Mr. Switch has a way. We have ways of making you come up of it. But Mr. Switch, there was not a connection there. He felt like he was being attacked and he would be like a wild animal. This is the story. This is what, this is what broke me. I'm disciplining him one time, and he's screaming, he's screaming, he's screaming. I can't calm him down. I'm trying to just let him sit for a while, go in there. He's screaming so loud, and he's crying so hard, and he turns, and he blows a snot ball that hits me in the chest. It's as big as a marble. You heard it. It went like this. And before I knew what was happening, he was dangling between heaven and earth. I snatched him off the ground, and his little feet were there. I said, oh, my God, what have I just done? I didn't hit him or anything, but I was just, I mean, it was just a reflex. And I put him down. I said, Daddy needs to go pray. I went to the couch. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do at this point. Like, he's not like the other kids. The Lord said, yeah. And there's also anger inside of you that you didn't know was there. I said, no, I didn't know that was in me. I just, like, snapped. And he gave me that verse out of this book of James. The anger of man doesn't achieve God's righteous purposes. He said, you can't deal and have anger inside of your heart and train up your children in the way that I want them trained. And so I repented and I cried. And you know what we found out about Landon? He was borderline autistic. He would sit in a chair and rock. He banged his head constantly. The other kids were like, Brandon, please stop banging your head. He banged his head on it constantly. So he had lots of symptoms of aut autism. And I just began to pray, God, what do we do? What do we do with this boy? How can we train this boy? Like his perception of reality is skewed. Everybody else sees one thing, and he tells a totally different story. He's not lying. It's just weird. And I just began to cry out for wisdom. Diane began to cry out for wisdom. God, what's, what makes this boy tick? What are you doing, you know? Diane was like, baby, you think we should take him in? And I said, no. This was our decision. This is what I felt like the Lord put in my heart. I said, if we take him into the doctor, they're going to they're gonna stamp him autistic. And that's going to be his identity from then on. I said, it's not going to happen. I said, I believe the Lord's going to work in him. I just had conviction from the Lord. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But for us, I was like, I, I, I just can't in my heart. I just can't do that. I believe the Lord's going to work in him. And so we struggled through a lot of years. Half of the, I would say for a year and a half straight, when, when we had our fourth child, Wesley, he was a handful too. But those two together were like nitro and glycerin. <laughs> it, well, it wasn't fun. Half of the days I would say, I come home from work, my wife would be crying. I, I'm not kidding. It was, it was rough. And all the while we're crying out for wisdom. God, what do we do? What do we do? And we began to see it's not strong will. He's emotionally unstable and young, and he just needs to be nurtured, need to be firm. I don't mean we didn't discipline him, but, but, but you have to stay with it. You have to stay with it. You have to assure him of your love. You have to be firm and go, no, we're not going to do that, and you hold boundaries, but, but you can't let him feel like he's being attacked because that's his perception of it. Anyway, we worked through that. Lots of people, friends of ours thought, you've got an autistic boy there. You know, he grew out. The Lord did something in him. He grew out of that. He went to college. 
He became the worship leader at his school on the stage. I mean, the guy who, if you said one thing to him, if the bagger at Publix said one word to him or even looked at him, he would totally freak out. He's leading worship. Lord, you've done him something amazing. Now he and his wife, they're actually going to be here in September, but they're, they're going to England. He has a master's degree in Islamic studies, and they're going to minister to Muslim refugees in England. And they're moving over there in the springtime. So you'll see them in September. It's to the glory of God. And I want to tell you something. That's one situation with your children. They're all different, but we cried out to God. We cried out to God for wisdom. How do we raise this boy? You would never know that he had any of those kinds of issues. And you see him and you'll meet him, his wife. That's the Lord. That's that's wisdom. That came, that didn't come from here. That didn't come from James Dobson's book that we'd read five times as strong-willed child because we thought he's strong-willed. This is the way Shana was. He wasn't that way. That wasn't what he was. You, you get what I'm saying. There's situations like this that come into our life constantly. And the Lord doesn't want us to turn to natural understanding first. He wants us to cry out for wisdom. Lord, you said ask. I don't know what to do. The first step is to recognize I don't know what I'm doing. How many parents can say amen? I don't know what I'm doing. God, what am I doing? And the Lord knows, you know, that he has a destiny for each of those little hearts and souls. He created them. And you know that he knows everything about them and what tomorrow's going to bring. And he knows what's inside and how to unlock it. And he wants parents to go, you don't know. I do know. Ask me. He didn't send it in a letter the next day in the mail. It was a period of years where you keep crying out. But wisdom begins to fall like the dew, little bit at a time. It settles down in your soul, and you begin to know. I know, I know what to do for the first time. That's, that's like my revelation with my kids on different issues. Like, uh, I know. I told, I told my wife one time we had an issue with our first one son. He was terrified at night, night terrors, and wouldn't sleep. That went on for a period of few years. And I finally, I, I said, I know what to do. She said, baby, are you sure? I said, no, listen to me. I know what to do. God showed me what to do. And it worked like, like that. It worked like that. Not because, oh, I'm so smart, I figured it out. No, I'm clueless like you. But we have a God who knows everything. He wants, you know what? He's glorified when we depend on him. He's glorified when we go, Lord, I don't know, but you know. He's glorified when we say, Lord, if you don't show me what to do, I'm going to mess this up big time. He's glorified when we honor him in that way and go, you're my sufficiency. Let the whole world know anything good that happened in my family. It's because you did it. Not because Knucklehead was here. Not because Clueless was in charge. It's the truth. And the beginning of wisdom is the spirit of humility of saying, God, I just don't know. And, and I know it's not the American way. I preached a message one time 
in um, the other building on the God of the week out of 1 Corinthians 1. And um, <laughs> there was a couple that were there. They never came back again after that. But um, I could see that you know, anger was flaring up in them. But, but basically, th- this, you know, this was the essence of the message. Like God delights to take those who are weak. This, that's what it says in 1 Corinthians. Look, look out among you, brethren. There's not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, not many of, you know, according to the flesh or, you know, famous. And that, that's not who God chooses. He chooses knuckleheads so that he'll be glorified at the end of the day going, look, look, look. This is what he said in Ephesians. So that God displays the manifold wisdom, his manifold wisdom and grace through the church so that he might demonstrate to the principalities and powers his own greatness. Do, do you know that? The Lord points out you and me to the devil and go, look, I'm changing the world with these. Huh? That's greatness. <laughs> That's greatness. I don't choose the ones who have the greatest ability and they're like, oh, they're the hot. Th-. No, they're the weak. They're the nothing. They're the thing that the world says is nothing. I'm choosing them because I'm going to show that I'm the one that does it. And I'm going to be glorified because I can take knuckleheads and do my will and change the world. Come on. See, it doesn't preach in America at all. we got to be self-sufficient. We're confident. We're... No, really, if we're believers, we need wisdom from God. We need Him to give us his perspective and to show us what to do. We're still, we'll never not be little children in that regard. You know, in natural ways, when you raise your children, you raise them to be independent, not dependent upon yourself. But in the spiritual realm, it's actually opposite of that. The more mature we are, the more dependent we are. It's really true. Wisdom, God's perspective, seeing what he sees, understanding his heart and purposes for people and situations. And so the reason for wisdom is because it is the way that we actually walk pleasing to the Lord. He shows us what to do. He tells us how to conduct ourselves. And we walk in a manner pleasing to him in all respects. That is the currency of heaven. That's what carries weight in heaven is that Jesus Christ is glorified and honored. It doesn't carry any weight in heaven that I'm sufficient, I'm confident, I'm... No. Jesus is the feature and the only one in heaven that is the feature. (laughs) Thank God we were made for this. We, We were made for that. We weren't made to be glorified. We were made to be the ones who were the voice of glorifying the one who is worthy that's why we were made and that's where our highest fulfillment is listen if you want to how many want to be happy you want you want to be come on how many want to be this is the way to be the happiest in in all of your life is that your life conforms to the purpose for which you were created the purpose for which all of us were created is to demonstrate the many splendored, many faceted grace of God that flows through us and shows a deposit of who he is. It's like facets of a diamond. One shines this way, one shines that way. That's the way he puts together the body. But at the end of the day, 
all of them were made to radiate his splendor and his glory. It's theology 101, but we've lost sight of it in America. We really have. Everything exists for the glory of God. The highest good in the universe is not my happiness. It's the glory of God. But here's the revelation. Those two things go together. When he's most glorified, I'm most happy because that's what I was made for. It's so good to be in that groove. It's so good to be in that groove. I love it. All right, let me read some Proverbs 4. So good. Talking about wisdom now. Proverbs 4, verse 5 through 8. Listen to the emphasis. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding, exclamation points in my Bible. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. Do, do, do you see that his language, like he's talking about wisdom like it's your lover? The beginning of wisdom is, colon, acquire wisdom. <laughs> Can I put that in a modern paraphrase? The beginning of wisdom is recognize you're desperate to have it. Get it. And with all your acquiring, with all your acquiring, get understanding. Listen, verse 8, prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. <laughs> it's the language of lovers. Chapter 7 of Proverbs, verse 4. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your intimate friend. You're my closest relative. We hang out all the time. Chapter 8, verse 10 says, Take my instruction and not silver, knowledge rather than choicest gold. For, verse 11, For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. How many of that's your view of wisdom? No, uh, no, for real. No, don't nod if you don't mean it. Like, is that really our view of wisdom? Like, are we viewing wisdom like anything that I could have that's valuable? Wisdom is more valuable than that. You, you know what would tell if we really valued it like that? We would be going hard after God for his wisdom. We would be going hard after him for his wisdom. Chapter 16, verse 16. Proverbs, you know, is full of these kinds of exhortations. I just want to wash us with them to see if this fits with your life. How much better it is to get wisdom than gold. And to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. Chapter 24, verse 13 and 14 says, My son, eat honey for it's good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste, Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future for you and a hope. Your hope will not be cut off. Wisdom is the principal thing, another verse says. Did you see that nothing 
you desire compares to her. Let me, let me just read you chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Did, did, did you see in these passages how it says finds it? Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't just fall on you automatically. How many know this? You have to find it. What does that mean? What does that imply? There's a what? Come on, guys. There's a seeking. You're going after it. You're searching to find it. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, her gain better than fine gold. She's more precious than jewels. You've ever heard this before? Nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. All her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all of those who hold her fast, seeking after wisdom. Our perceived value of the treasure, I would sub submit to you, our perceived value of the treasure determines the intensity with which we seek it. So if we're not seeking after wisdom and going hard after it, then I question whether we value it according to its true value. So here's Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words, verse 1, and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. Notice these words. If you cry out for discernment, Lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. <laughs> Have you ever seen the, the documentaries they do on treasure hunters? Have you ever, ever seen any, any of those? Like I was watching one one time, and these guys are literally obsessed. This is, they live on these boats. They're constantly trying to go to rich people and get that. Go, look, we've got this map, and there's, there's a treasure buried there. We think there's so much gold there. And so much, like, you're going to get this much of a cut of it if we find it. And they literally go on like this for years. This is their whole life is obsessed and consumed with it. It's just crazy. Treasure hunters. Most of the time, they don't find anything. They just run out of money. Because the investors get tired of pouring hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into the, the deal, and then they don't come up with anything. If you seek her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord, listen, for the Lord gives wisdom, in verse 6, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is, I love verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom from the upright. He stores it up. You want wisdom for your life? I've got this whole room here. It's all for you. You just got to come and get it. I get amazed sometimes with the things in Scripture and even with church history with this generation. Like, I don't have a taste for it. And I'm like, really? It's like treasure being buried in your backyard and you won't get a shovel. You won't go to Lowe's and buy a $9.99 shovel to dig it up. It's in your backyard. You can get anything on the internet. You can come to my house and borrow any of my books. Like, it's crazy. These things are life-changing. And we're like, ah, really? I don't want to spend the $9.99. Dude, it's treasure. Now I say, yeah, but, you know, with tax, it's like 10 <laughs> No, I'm serious. The valuing of the things that the Lord has stored up for us is crazy. He stored up for the upright Wisdom. He stored it up for you. 
Uh, yeah, but I really, I'm tired after work. I really don't want to. Seriously, there's a treasure chest buried in your backyard. You're going to come home and say, no, I'm just, I'm just too tired to dig for it. No, we don't get it. We don't get it. The Lord's offer. We're like, here's Fort Knox. He says to us, look, I want you to look at the riches of the treasures of Christ Jesus, the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's no bottom to it. It's like looking into Fort Knox and seeing ingots, gold bars stacked up as far as you can see, bigger than this church. And you're like, really, Lord, do you think I can have a dollar for a Coke? I'm really thirsty. No, 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 look! I'll give you the dollar for the Coke, but I, look, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden hidden in Christ Jesus, Paul said. They're hidden. You have to dig. Oh, yeah, but I'm really, I'm just, I just want a dollar for a Coke. And the Lord says, a dollar for a Coke. A dollar for a Coke. This is the unsearchable riches of Christ where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. And yeah, but Ten dollars really is just too much for a shovel. <laughs> I feel sometimes like the Lord would be frustrating, wouldn't it? He offers us some incredible things. I'll give you my wisdom, he said. If anyone, how many is an anyone? Would you qualify as anyone? Okay. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And he's generous and he'll give it to you. We got to pursue it. How do we pursue it? Well, we seek and we cry out. I'd say there's two main ways. We know that his wisdom and his perspective is in his word. Would you agree? How many believe this is treasure? Like beyond compare. It's, it's beyond compare. I, I, I mean, one little verse can revolutionize your whole life. Your whole life. One verse can revolutionize your child rearing. I know, I know this. One verse can revolutionize your marriage. One verse can revolutionize the way that you do your work. If we change from doing our work for a paycheck to doing our work as unto the Lord, not as way of man pleasers, it changes everything. Now, I don't get my reward at the end of the week, and the Lord says, here, you've got your reward. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> now my reward is going, and it's being stacked in heaven. Now, with money, I don't just waste it and blow it on crazy things, but I recognize Jesus said, hey, you can either buy this boat or not, not against boats if you have a boat. It's all, it's, all, it's all good. You, you can either buy this boat or you can invest it into the gospel and whatever you invest into my kingdom, you're going to store up for yourself riches where moth and rust cannot come in and destroy and where it will be imperishable. It will never, ever fade away. Jesus Christ literally said that we can put our money in heaven and it will be waiting there for us when we get there. Eternal 
treasure. Offering time can be revolutionary. (laughs) I was receiving an offering one Sunday a while back and just worshiping. And I was just praying about if the Lord wanted me to share anything about the offering. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord inside of me real forcefully say, Stop! Because you're about to do something eternal. I don't know if that strikes you, but Jesus told the truth. Like everything's different when you look at something from the heavenly perspective. All the preachers are just about trying to get your money. Really? How about Jesus is just trying to get our heart? Because he said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And not only that, he said, whatever you leave here, you, you, know, you know there's no trailers pulled behind hearses. The richest people don't take anything into the grave when they go. But you can send it ahead. Like, what a deal. How many like to make a good investment? So the devil, what does he do? He doesn't want that. So he puts out there that all preachers are money grubbers. Don't give it to preachers. Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus changes everything our perspective when we see from God's perspective it's called wisdom it's called wisdom (laughs) yeah he wants us to see from his perspective you know why we get caught up we get caught up in this cycle of grace it's like a tornado like guys I don't know I mean I I know I'm off on the tangent here but There's a cycle of grace when you give your money and you're actually giving it as worship to Jesus. And it's like a tornado and it sweeps your heart up into the things that are eternal and heavenly. It not only blesses you, it provides for needs and it brings glory to God because many voices of thanksgiving are given to God. Have, have you ever had the experience where the Lord spoke to you? If you, if you want to be using spiritual gifts, here's my recommendation to you. If you want the Lord to give you a word of knowledge, ask him to give you a word of knowledge of, so, of somebody to give money to. Then you know that your motive is pure. Say, God, show me somebody that needs money. And I keep a scanner on myself. Because it's such a blessing. I say, give that person this amount of money. Like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had this experience several times where you give them that money and they start to cry immediately. Like, you know what they say? He knows. He knows. God sees me. He knows my need. Do you know that you have just become a tangible expression of the love of God to a person and that will mark them for the rest of their life? They'll never forget that. Never. What a great way to use spiritual gifts. The Lord marks them and goes, you remember that time? My wife and I had experiences like that. We need $1,500 the next day. 
Like that was three months' salary for me at the time. <laughs> that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> like that's crazy. No, there's no way. We just prayed about it on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Came to church. A couple came up to us after the offering. Um, after the service was over, we were just up praying at the altar. You know, the, we we sold our house, and the Lord just spoke to us to to, to give this to you. And they gave us a check for five hundred dollars. And we were like, oh, thank you so much. It's such a blessing. And we were really thankful to the Lord. The next day in the mail came a check for $1,000 from somebody that said, the Lord put this on my heart before we prayed. On Thursday, he put this on my heart to send you this. Before you ask, I will answer you. Do, do you know what we did? We just got on our knees and left. I said, God, you're amazing. You know, I'm telling this story 35 years later because that marked my life. And you know what? It makes me want to experience that same joy of being on that end of it. Oh, God, find them for me. <laughs> Who is it? That's a testimony. That's part of the testimony of my life to this day. We're talking about eternity. This is wisdom. This is not the natural wisdom of save or rainy day. And all. I get all of that. That's part of, you know, normal natural wisdom. I get that. I understand that. I'm not trying to, re you know, refute that. But I'm saying there's there's a higher wisdom. Sometimes we just need to be on the say, Lord, give me your wisdom. Give me your perspective. Give me your insight. How many would join me in this say, let's, let's cry out to God for wisdom. Let's cry out to God for wisdom. My business, you guys that are in business, dude, I was like the worst business person in the world. I worked hard and I couldn't make money. First three years of my business, I made a grand total for three years combined of $17,000 gross, working 60 hours a week. We shopped at the Benton Dent. <laughs> we had moths in our cereal. We had powdered milk for our kids. You know what? <clears throat> I don't have any regrets over that at all. You know what? One thing that matured inside of my heart that I learned, because I went into doing the business of, I can do this. I, I can do this. I can do this. And the Lord said, oh, you can. Watch this. No, you can't do this. I was in a prayer meeting on Saturday morning. I'm going to close with this, and we're going to pray. <coughs> and I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, what am I doing? My heart is not, I'm not an entrepreneur. Like, that's not what my heart is. What is this business? What is it? Why am I doing this? What, why did you lead me into this? What am I, I'm not blaming him. I'm just like, I, obviously, I'm a numbskull. I can't figure this out. What am I doing? And the Lord spoke to my heart in a very powerful way. And he said, this business is a monument to your own nothingness. Now you see what you can do without me. And I did. Do you know after that, he began to turn it. And he turned it into a huge blessing for many, many years in our lives. But one thing I learned 
I told you at the beginning of this message, I cry out to God for wisdom every morning because I know what I can do by myself. Can, can I ask you a question? Like, do you know what you can do by yourself? Do, do you really know it? When your kids open the cereal box and moths fly out and they think it's like the toy in the box. <coughs> oh my gosh, we got moths! This is better than a little squirt gun. We got moths. Yeah, those little worms, they go right through the bag, you know, on the side. I don't know. They hatch out, you open that bag, and boof. <coughs> here's, here's the beginning of wisdom. God, I can't do this myself. If you don't show me, if you don't give me your perspective, if you don't give me your understanding, if you don't give me your wisdom, I cannot do this thing. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom. I don't care how competent, how schooled, how whatever. The truth of the matter is, without him, we can do nothing. Lift your hands with me. Let's just, let's, just, let's just acknowledge that to the Lord and cry out that he would draw us into wisdom in a deeper way. So, Father, we just call out to you now. We want to acknowledge that without you we can do nothing. We want to acknowledge that, Lord, we're desperate for your wisdom. It's not just on that special occasion once every five or ten years. Every day, Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your perspective. We need your understanding. We need your insight to be brought in us. We need you to put your thoughts into our minds and into our hearts. We need you to lead us by your spirit and to supersede our natural abilities, however weak or strong they are. They're not enough. We need you. And so, Lord, we, we want to be a people that have wisdom from God, not just natural, earthly, human wisdom. And so, Father, we call out to you. And we say, fill our hearts and our lives, as Paul prayed in Colossians chapter 1, with a spirit of wisdom and understanding so that we might please you in everything. Lord, we want to conduct ourselves in our relationships. We want to conduct ourselves in our families, in our church and ministries, in our every aspect of our lives. We want to conduct ourselves in ways that honor you and show that you are the treasure of all of life. We want to do that, Lord. Help us. We acknowledge our need for you now. We say in humility, God, we need your wisdom and understanding or we will for sure fail and we won't accomplish what you want us to. And so now, because of your great heart that you have offered and said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him come and ask. And so, Father, we come and ask for the small things and for the big things. Every day of our lives, we ask you. We breathe out and breathe in the prayer. Father, I need your wisdom. Father, I need your understanding. Please grant it to me through your word and grant it to me through your spirit. But fill my life with your spiritual wisdom and understanding that I may accomplish all that you want me to do, that I may understand and see your purposes for my life and that I would not fail to accomplish everything that you created me for in this life. Let it be so, Father. Let us be Christians that produce much fruit for your glory. Let us be Christians whose heart beats that you would be honored in everything that we say and do, that you would be pleased, that your name would be made much of. 
that the giftings and the grace that you've poured upon our life would not be wasted or squandered, but it would be fully used to be a blessing in this world. Let it be so, Lord. Give us wisdom. God, we cry out that you would give us wisdom and understanding, that you would not leave us alone to our own devices, for we will surely fail without your intervention. So we call out to you for wisdom. We thank you, Lord, for your great heart that you desire to give it. You've even said you stored it up for us. Oh, God, help us to turn away from the Coke and to look into the storeroom that we might bring out treasures that would be a blessing to humanity. Thank you for this body of believers, for my brothers and sisters. I pray for your rich blessing to be poured upon them, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given them. That wisdom from above would be our portion every day. That there would be a conduit, a connection between our lives and the wisdom from above that would be unbroken. There would be a constant flow. Father, we need to live in the constant flow of wisdom from above flowing into our lives, not just occasionally, but constantly. Let there be that connection and that flow. And I pray that you would establish that in a deeper way this night in Jesus mighty name amen amen bless you